What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode on the Amputee Investor Podcast. And today we are talking about how you can cash flow without actually owning the property. I was at the closing attorney's office the other day and I was sitting with my attorney trying to figure out just the paperwork and how we were going to execute this deal. And he had some questions because he had never actually done this creative financing structure or a deal like this. And I found myself actually educating the closing attorney. So I just figured, man, if I'm actually educating this closing attorney on how to close this real estate transaction, you know, I can only imagine how many other real estate investors may not even understand how to go about this transaction when they're working with their closing attorney um, and really what to uh, look out for. So we're going to jump into that right now. You will fail your way to greatness. Most people allow their fear of failure to outweigh their desire to succeed. When you're willing to fail again and again and again, when you make up your mind to become unstoppable, when you make up your mind to become a no matter what person, then that will then give birth to a part of yourself that you don't know right now. How to fire your boss, build a full-time career, and live life on your own terms with investing in real estate. You are listening to the Amputee Investor Podcast. Husband, father, and dangerously handsome. Here's your host, Miles Berrio. All right, so let's get into what I meant by you creating cash flow without actually owning the property. So there's a couple of ways that you can build cash flow in real estate. And one of the ways that allows you to create cash flow without actually owning the property is a real estate investing strategy called wrap mortgages. So what a wrap mortgage is, it's you being able to create creative financing terms with the seller of whatever real estate property you're working on. And what I mean by creative financing terms, it could just mean there's a mortgage on the property and you're taking over that existing mortgage. So that's called buying a property subject to the existing mortgage. Or it could mean that the property is owned free and clear and you're having the seller become the bank and actually finance. They create a mortgage for you. So they're financing the full amount of equity um, of that property, you know, you know, generally either with like a small down payment or maybe the larger down payment, um, and interest rate, uh, length of time and a purchase price and then monthly payment, you know, that's based out of that. So you can create these creative financing terms with a seller, but you can actually go around and sell that same deal to someone else on creative financing terms as well and have those terms wrap, sort of wrap around the original term. So, I know this is an audio, so I'm going to try to explain this in a way that you guys can uh, digest this, uh, digest this, <laughs> digest this in a um, more, I guess, picture-like way. Because I know it's hard to just hear and think about it, but I'm going to give you guys some numbers so you can visualize it and kind of create a paint a picture for what this can look like. So, let's say you have this property you're trying to buy from a seller, and you've created these terms to be, and I'm going to make these number super basic just to again create a very simple picture let's say you've created these terms to be $100,000 purchase price $10,000 down 1% interest $100 a month for 10 years right so we're using all kind of the same type of just 1000101010 type of thing so $100,000 purchase price um $10,000 down, 1% interest for 10 years. 
So I'll say that again, $100,000 purchase price, the down payment is $10,000. The monthly payment is $100 a month at 1% interest for 10 years. So you can have those terms and basically in order to buy that property, all you have to come to the closing table with is the $10,000 down that's owed to the seller plus any closing costs that you may have agreed to cover, right? So that's just the cash that you would come to closing with. Now, you can actually wrap this deal. It's called a wrap mortgage because there was a mortgage created with that seller between you and the seller. So just think of it like uh, like an AB transaction. So you have AB transaction and then you have BC transaction and the BC transaction includes the end buyer and you can work out terms with that end buyer. So let's just say with the end buyer, instead of a $100,000 purchase price, you do $150,000 purchase price. Instead of $10,000 down, like you have with the seller, you do $20,000 down. And instead of $100 a month, it's $200 a month. Instead of 1% interest, it's 5% interest for 10 years. You know, you can you essentially want to make sure that the amortization schedule makes sense. Now, there's a very simple way to do this. You can go to bankrate.com and just make sure that the end buyer isn't paying you off before you would have to obviously pay off the, um, you know, the seller. So you wouldn't want to do like a 10 year, you know, payoff with the seller, but then do like a five year payoff with the end buyer. Because I mean, you know, even though the payments might be higher, there's not there's not enough money going to interest and the amortization schedule is not long enough. It just wouldn't match. So just make sure you're kind of keeping that in mind. But essentially, just to make things very, very simple, you got $100,000 with the seller, $10,000 down, $100 a month, 1% interest, 10 years. For the end buyer, you have $150,000 purchase price, $20,000 down, 5% interest, $200 a month uh, for 10 years. So for that same amount of time, it's the same amount of time but the end buyer is going to owe more because there's higher interest, there's a higher purchase price, and the the beautiful thing about this is that you no longer own the property because you sold it to an end buyer. Now we're going to maybe kind of go off in a little bit of, you know, tangents on certain things just to kind of add more value to this. First of all, why would a seller want to sell to you on this kind of sort of term, this creative financing terms? Well, well, there's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons could be they are trying to alleviate paying a lot of capital gains tax. So one of the ways to help a seller avoid paying a ton of capital gains because they're going to pay capital gains on the money that they receive at closing um, within that tax year. So to sort of help alleviate that, you can actually uh, you know, communicate to them, well, let's do creative financing terms where you finance the property, you could become the bank and they won't have to, especially if they're a landlord, they won't have to manage the property like a, a landlord, like, you know, manage the tenants. They don't have to pay for repairs, um, property taxes, insurance, none of that because they are financing the property. They are just the bank. They are just receiving principal and interest payments, but they are able to avoid paying you know, a much larger capital gains tax because they're only going to basically pay tax on the money that they got, you know, as a down payment rather than this huge lump sum, you know, for cash for the whole property. So that's one way. Another way is that maybe the landlord's a tired landlord um, and they want to sell for more. So one of the first real properties that I ever bought, I actually bought the property this way um, on seller financing terms because the seller wanted more uh, or wanted a higher purchase price. 
So everyone else was negotiating on like a much lower cash offer. But I said, well, I would be willing to give you a higher purchase price if you'd be willing to work with me on terms. So I was able to create seller financing terms where he financed a large portion of this purchase price um, over 15 years. And I only had to come to the table with a couple thousand bucks because I was giving him a higher purchase price. So some sellers are married to their purchase price and that's what they really want. And that's just one way to give it to it, give that to them, but it still benefit you in the sense that you don't have to come to the closing table with as much cash. Um, and it's a win-win for everyone. So, um, that's kind of that, but then think about the end buyer. Why would the end, why would there be an end buyer who would want to buy on these terms as well? Well, In particular, I'll talk about this deal that I'm closing on soon with this type of strategy called a wrap mortgage. Um, There are individuals right now that are like stoked and ready to buy a house, but interest rates just went skyrocketed high, just totally jumped. And it pulled a lot of people out of the market because they know that for the same property that they were interested in buying, it's going to cost them X amount of more dollars. It's much more expensive now because the interest rate is no longer three and a half percent, four percent or whatever. It's maybe seven to eight percent. And they don't want to get locked into an eight percent, you know, interest mortgage for the next 25 or 30 years. So that's one that's one reason people have pulled back, um, but they still want to buy a house. But then secondly, you know, it's just challenging to get a mortgage with a traditional bank, right? I mean, we know the 2008 housing market crash caused the banks to be much more stringent on how they lend money. And for good reason, obviously, we don't want 2008 to ever happen again. So because of them tightening up their requirements to get a mortgage, um, you got to you know jump through all these hoops and basically be like the perfect candidate. It's become much more challenging and kind of annoying sometimes to work with traditional lenders or institutional banks and stuff like that. So if a buyer can come to you and you don't really care about tax returns, credit score, or any of that, you're just focused on the down payment, then it makes much more sense for them to avoid all the hassle. And if they have the down payment, they can just work with you and you can be the bank, right? So that's the beauty. Now you might be thinking, well, Miles, isn't it important to, you know, know their credit score and have the tax returns, all these different things? Not necessarily, because think about it, guys. <clears throat> if someone was willing to give someone $30,000 or, you know, $25,000 to buy their personal home as a down payment, do you think that that individual who gave that 25, 30, 40,000, whatever the down payment was, do you think that they're actually like interested in losing that house and not making them those payments? Definitely not, right? So it is actually a pretty great indicator having a larger down payment because see, Hey, what's going on guys? So I just want to share with you guys an incredible tool that I've been using since day one to find the best discounted properties. Not only if you're looking to wholesale deals, but even if you're just looking to buy, there's a lot of investors that rely on realtors or they rely on just the MLS and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but you can find much better deals that are off market that are direct to seller. So you're not having to pay realtor fees. You're not having to really be in bidding wars because you are direct to the seller. So this software is absolutely amazing, guys. If you literally want to find, let's just say every single three bed, two bath with 1200 square feet minimum that has one tax lien associated to it with an owner that has their property in their personal name and not an LLC and the owner lives out of state and the property is vacant and has a lot size of one acre or more, 
literally, you could get that granular. You could just filter out exactly that kind of property, and this software will show you every single property that meets that requirement. It is absolutely insane. It is how I've found and how I've wholesaled or bought any deal that I've ever wholesaled or bought in my entire career. I literally have not used any other software. So I promise you guys, you will not regret it. You definitely want to go check them out. Just go to the link in my description and you will look for PropStream and you want to go through this link because you will actually get the discount that my students get. Now, you don't have to be a student or a member of our WTF community, but you can still get this discount if you at least go uh, click the link in the description to sign up for your account. So hopefully that helps and chat with you later. With institutional banks, if you have enough, you know, credit and, you know, your your profile basically looks, you know, good enough, you could actually, you know, buy a house with a very little down, right? Because they are leveraging other factors to determine whether or not you would be a good borrower. But because you're not looking at all those other factors on whether or not they would be a good borrower, then the best one would just be the fact that they're bringing a lot more cash to the table. So it's much more risky for them and they're less likely to want to default on that loan. So just keep that in mind. That's kind of how I think about this, why someone would want to like go this route. There are tons of people out there that are looking for owner financing deals because it allows them to avoid having to go to the bank um, and they can just work with you directly and you can finance the property to them. Now, let's get back into why I created this episode because, again, I found myself really having to educate this attorney because I thought to myself, wow, this is probably a really great point and I feel like maybe not a lot of people... First of all, not a lot of people understand like creative finance and then not a lot of people understand like seller finance, how you can not only acquire, but then sell on seller finance as well. So you can buy and sell on the same deal, same deal with seller financing. Um, and it's called a wrap mortgage, but there's even more people who don't know how to actually execute that. So I was sitting with my closing attorney and he basically says, well, you know, I totally understand what you're trying to do with this wrap mortgage deal, but Miles, I can't create a mortgage on a property you don't own. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you guys about this is can someone create a mortgage? So if you have, let's say, uh, you know, seller financing terms under contract with a seller, right? And then you are trying to avoid having to come to the closing table with that cash, right? Because you could essentially just buy the deal and then go sell it later, right? There's there's a couple of ways you could buy the deal. You could either use, you know, your own cash, right? To just, you know, put the twenty, you know, the ten thousand dollars down on the example that I gave, right? Or you could find private money, right? And they provide the ten thousand dollars from someone who wants to make an interest um, you know, out of the monthly payment um, that you're gonna get from that in buyer. Um, but what if you don't want to have to deal with raising any money or having to pay any anything? What if you're trying to execute a wrap mortgage without having any money at closing, having to come out of pocket? I'll just say that without having to come out of pocket personally, um, or even with a private money lender. Well, the way that you would do that is, and here's the answer to it, you would have to double close. And a lot of people don't understand this, but in order for your attorney to actually create that B to C, right? So you have the AB transaction with your seller. Now that's all good and dandy. You have the seller financing terms, that's great. But then you have that B to C transaction with the end buyer. But how can the attorney create that B to C mortgage, right? Because there's going to be a deed of trust and then a mortgage that's going to be attached to that B to C transaction because obviously you got to have a mortgage on the financing that you're providing the end buyer, the B to C. But how can they do that? You don't own the property. Well, all you do is double close. 
So you double close. It, you, you can leverage transactional funding and you can double close so that you are not personally having to pay anything out of pocket or necessarily even try to raise private money. Because if you raise private money, you got to, I mean, it could work with you using private money, but I'm just assuming like, let's say you don't have any private money. Well, you can actually double close and leverage a transactional funding partner, which technically could be a private money lender. But the big picture behind this is just you want to double close. You're not going to be able to to just assign, you know, the terms unless you are looking to not stay in the deal. So if you are trying to actually just sell the terms, so let's say instead of you staying in the deal and getting cash flow, you are going to sell the terms you had on the A to B transaction for an extra fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. Well, that means the end buyer now is just going to pay fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on top of the down payment that they would owe the seller to basically buy you out, and then they would just have the terms they have with the seller. But if you're trying to stay in the deal, actually, which I think you know, why wouldn't you not? It's a great way to be able to get paid three times on the same transaction. And here's what I mean. Well, remember we had a hundred thousand dollars as a purchase price with the seller, right? But then we had. $200,000 as a purchase price, or sorry, we had $150,000 purchase price with the end buyer. Well, that means at the end of the day, there's $50,000 of forced equity or $50,000 that was created because you owe the seller $100,000 and the end buyer owes you $150,000. So there's there's that there. So on the back end, if they ever decide to you know sell the property or refinance you know, the the first note has to get paid off, which again, the purchase price was $100,000. And then your 150 would get paid off and you would be able to net in between. Now, here's the cool thing. You, that's on the back end. But what about at the day of closing? Well, remember, we owe the seller $10,000 down at the day of closing. And then we owe, or then the end buyer owes us, um, I think we said on this deal, what was it? $20,000 down. So you would make $10,000 cash at closing from the end buyer paying their down payment to you. And of course you want to have them pay closing cost, right? And then you would obviously have um, that cost to the seller, the $10,000 and then minus the closing cost, right? Cause you're going to close on it. So you will have to pay closing costs yourself, but you're able to make that spread in between from the end buyer to what you owe the seller. And then the most beautiful thing is on a monthly basis, you're able to cash flow without owning the property because you closed on it, but you did a same day double close, which just allowed your company, your LLC, or you as an individual sole proprietor, whatever it may be in your situation to, to basically be on title for a couple of hours until you close with the end buyer. And now they are going to own the property. So they have to pay property taxes. They have to pay insurance. You know, they, they basically maintain the property and they have to work on the property. You are just receiving your principal and interest payments without having to manage anything, get any phone calls, and you do not own the property. You just have a lien, a second position mortgage. There's a first position mortgage. So there's a first mortgage. It's called first position with the seller A to B. And then you have that second position mortgage with you and that end buyer. But the A to B transaction, the, the first seller, they don't own the property because they sold it to you. But then you don't own a property because you sold it to the end buyer. But both of you guys get to cash flow on the difference on what is um, owed to you and then what you receive. So that's the beauty about a wrap mortgage. I just wanted to do a quick audio to kind of explain that to you guys because I'm like, man, I think this is going to be helpful for anyone who's trying to look at deals in different ways, right? It's not always just about, hey, here's a deal that I could wholesale. And it's not always like, oh, 
you know, here's a deal that I could buy as a rental property or as a short-term rental or as a fix and flip. What about a deal where you could create seller financing terms with the seller, but you could not just wholesale it or you won't hold it as a rental or you won't fix and flip it, but you'll do a wrap mortgage, stay in the deal, but because you don't own the property, you closed on it and you took title, but you sold it to someone else same day. So you want to make sure you find the buyer, obviously, you know, and, and you want to have your, uh, cl- basically the time to close with the seller at least 45 days, 30 to 45 days. Give yourself enough time to find that in buyer, do the marketing you need to do. When you find that in buyer, you know, you run title, obviously, as soon as you go under contract with the seller, and then you're going to have clear title, you're going to be able to match up the closing with the attorney. Just let the attorney know what you're doing. Hey, I'd like to buy this property, double close on it. Um, I'm going to have a closing. I want to have a closing with the in buyer and a closing with the seller on the same day because we are doing what's called a wrap mortgage. We are going to buy these terms from the seller, but then we are also creating terms with the in buyer. We are not owning the property, but we are seller financing it to them um, so that you can make your spread in between and basically get paid three times. One time at closing, one time on the back end and every single month. Three types of ways to get paid on the same deal. So guys, that is a wrap mortgage. It's another strategy you can leverage. Hey, what's going on guys? So I just want to really quick share with you an incredible way for you to build out your LLC structure. So if you are trying to build your business and you need an LLC, or maybe you already have an LLC, but you did what I did, which was go on Google and go, how do you create an LLC? And then you just created one. You really want to use professionals who really know what they're doing and they can help you with full anonymity. So there's a difference between you creating an LLC, thinking that no one's going to know that you own a property or this asset in real estate. And then there's a difference between there being an entire corporate structure that actually gives you the protection because see, LLCs give you tax advantages, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have full anonymity because anyone can really figure out who owns an LLC. There, there's enough tools and enough you know, technology out there to do that. So you have to make sure you create an entire corporate structure. And my corporate structure was created by these amazing individuals that built out my living trust that then holds a holding company that then holds my LLCs that hold other LLCs. And guys, my family and I, our house that we even bought doesn't even have our name on it. Like we're talking about full protection. People do not know the assets that you own as you continue to build wealth. You want to check these guys out. So head over to the description and click on the link that says LLC formation and go get your answers to the questions you have about how to build an actual corporate structure that protects you in case of lawsuits, in case of any liabilities, and just do it the right way. I promise you, you will not regret it. There's some pros and cons, right? The pro is that you get paid multiple times, right? You can cash flow on a monthly basis without having to own the property. Um, you, you know, you get paid at closing, get paid on the back end. Um, you don't have to take phone calls. You don't have to repair the property. You don't have to manage it like a tenant or anything like that. There's a lot of great pros. It's awesome. Um, but one of the, I don't necessarily even want to say a con, but it is something to think about is that you don't get the benefits of owning the property, right? So you're not going to get depreciation, you know, tax write-offs or anything like that. You're not going to get appreciation other than what you sort of forced, like that forced appreciation when you sold it to the end buyer. Um, but you know, maybe like, I don't know, 15 years later, they decide to refinance or, you know, pay you off or something like that. You're not going to capture all those years of appreciation, right? So you know, why would someone want to do this then, right? I think one of the reasons why this would be great for someone is if you don't have a lot of capital 
or you're not at the time or you're not ready to basically manage and own a property yourself. Because buying and owning a property definitely requires some reserves. It definitely requires understanding how to run and manage that property. But you may not be there yet, but you want to get paid. You want to make some capital, right? So that's another way to just get paid multiple times without you actually having to be the owner and own the property. So if you're newer to real estate and, you've underst- and you understand creative finance, it's a great way for you to make some more money outside of just wholesaling or trying to do like a fix and flip or something. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a great strategy. So hopefully that made sense, guys. Um, just again, in summary, I was with my closing attorney and he was wondering how in the world can he create a mortgage on a property I don't own and the way you do that is you double close. So you use transactional funding and if you guys haven't gone back to listen to um, one of the earlier episodes with my transactional funding guys, you can even leverage them. You guys can literally call them and use them. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can reach out and have a conversation and say, hey, I'm looking to do... Um, a wrap mortgage deal and would love for you guys to fund the down payment that I owe to the seller, the end buyer. Um, we already have them and under contract, they're going to pay, um, you know, they're, they have their down payment. So literally the transactional funding partners, their money's only going to be in the deal for one day, literally a couple of hours. It's the same day closing, right? Um, so just that's kind of why I brought this up is just to help you understand how a wrap mortgage would be executed. Yes, understand that is creating financing terms, seller financing terms with the seller, and then you can wrap that with an in-buyer, but you do need to double close so that you take title so that you legally can actually have a mortgage created for you um, to the end buyer. So um, hopefully that made sense, guys. Not a super long episode, but I think it's very valuable for you to just, number one, understand more strategies to invest in real estate. Number two, the pros and cons of doing this, how to execute this. And um, yeah, hopefully that made sense. I'll see you guys on the next episode. This has been another episode of the Amputee Investor Podcast with your host, Miles Berrio. 